This could be Megan's story where she's like, "Oh fuck, fuck that, fuck that." I'm not being in that conversation. I'm going to write myself out of it. In the shadow of Megan. Yeah, this is happening in the shadow. Megan's on stage right now in a kayak with a gator. Oh my god, are we really in Megan's simulation? That is not where I want to be. We're going to be on (laughs) fairy ride after fairy ride. All of a sudden, you're going to look down at your hands, and they're going to be like meat sticks. Meat sticks, and we, yeah, looking at her, yeah. Anyang SAO, welcome to Afternoon Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, romance novelists, and your K Romance guides. So grab some deck bokey and listen to your new favorite unnees. Hi there, Leah. <laughs> so it's just the two of us because Megan doesn't watch high school drama. And she's kayaking <laughs> with gators. Where is she? I thought she was. <laughs> like here's the problem. I, I don't know. I thought where she was she in is. New Jersey. I thought she went to the Jersey Shore, and then she's like, "Here I am with gators," and I was like, "Oh, I don't know where you are." I don't. I feel bad. I don't remember where she said she was going. Yeah, no idea. I thought she was like in Maryland or New Jersey, but clearly, I have no idea where Megan. She's where gators are. <laughs> yeah, so she's like Florida, Louisiana. I don't. It's very, where the very Carolinas, maybe. Are there gators in I the Carolinas? I don't know. But I, I, know I feel like, I mean, I don't feel like she's down in Florida. I, don't. I, I mean, I didn't think she was in Louisiana either. Okay, so basically we don't know where Megan is, but she's not here. And she's not eaten by alligators. She has not been chomped by an alligator. We did double check that earlier today. So that's good news. Well, she just posted to let us know. Yes. I have not been. Yes, well, because I said don't get chomped. <laughs> So yeah. I want. Well, she sent a picture of herself kayaking. Yes, I'm with a gator looking right at her. So even with her delicious meat sticks, <laughs> they're not taking. Nobody a took a bite. <laughs> but also, but also, I'm not, I mean, I'm going to throw her under the bus a million times tonight, and she knows that. <laughs> She's also not on this episode by choice of not watching the drama. <laughs> Because for some reason, Megan has a block against high school dramas unless there's zombies involved. Exactly. Because she will watch All of Us Are Dead. Right. But not so, Boys Over Flowers, not Heirs, and not Extraordinary. I yet. find it a curious quirk about her. I do like, as well. I don't like char chases, and she doesn't like high school dramas. Nor does she like people in school uniforms in other dramas. <laughs> this is true. This was a big detractor from Goblin. Yes. So. So we're not, it's know, not a detractor for us at all. In fact, it's an attraction, I'm guessing, because <laughs> we love it. I I will not say no to a high school drama. No. Ever. And we'll get into that a little bit more, but. But first, but first, let's talk about the fact that. Let's talk about last night. <laughs> About last night. I don't remember. I don't remember anything. Okay. So about <laughs> last night, folks. So I um, was uploading the Afternoon Uncensored and I had edited it over the weekend and just forgot to upload it to our distribution platform. And I was up super late last night writing the script for today. And so hopefully it's not too out there crazy because I was deliriously tired. Um, but I was writing the script for today. And then I was like, oh, crap, I didn't upload the new episode. And it was almost one in the morning, my time, central time. So I go to our platform, which is called Transistor, which is where we distribute. And long, long, long ago, 
Megan's the one who set up Transistor. And we all use, you know, all of each other's stuff. And whoever set it up is the keeper of the password. We have a spreadsheet where we do all of our drama planning. A tab on that spreadsheet is all of our passwords. Just putting that out there right now. Um, but also, I do the Google remember my password when I, you know, sign up for new accounts. So I go to Transistor like I do every week when I upload a show. And it says email and password don't match. So I try it again. Email and password don't match. <laughs> so I go to the spreadsheet to just copy and paste because it's one of those Google created passwords that's not any sort of word or anything. It's just a bunch of numbers and symbols and whatever. So I copy and paste from our spreadsheet because I'm like, that is the right password. That's the one that Megan made when she set up the account. That should be what's remembered in my account, but just in case. I copy and paste. Email and password don't match. I'm freaking out because there will be no episode this morning if I don't get this uploaded. So I take to Slack, but I know that Megan is already on vacation, and I'm not sure if Leah's still awake, because it's, you know, almost midnight your time, or 11 your time. And, you know, I'm like, (laughs) SOS, Mayday, whatever I said, like, I cannot get into Transistor. And then I'm like, you know what, I know where to find Leah if she is awake. (laughs) (laughs) Slack is not the place. Instagram is. So for those of you who don't know, Leah is the runner of our Instagram account. Like Megan and I will hop on there um, every now and then, but Leah keeps that thing running. And so we're super grateful for that. But I also know that's where I can find her if I need to. And so I hop on and I see that Afternoon of Delight Instagram is active. So I'm like, please, please be awake. And I'm like, if you are awake, please help me. I cannot log into Transistor. And to... Not even TL- to not even TLDR. <laughs> Leah's like, well, this this is the password that I have, and I sent it to one of our other podcast creators. I sent it to you know Sarah to log in. Here's the here's the password. Isn't this what you have? And I'm like, no, that is definitely changed, and that has been changed in the past week. <laughs> and what was your response initially? It was, I don't remember. You're like, I did not change the password. I have zero recollection of this. I don't know. I have have a memory of sending the password to someone, but I have no other memory. But it became really clear in our conversation that only one person could have changed the password. (laughs) And it was myself. So I started to get slightly alarmed. Like, did I do this in like a split personality like my biggest fear is like you know come to dissociative personality yeah yeah Yeah, exactly um and I was starting to be like maybe that's what happened and like Megan was and then Amy was like really confused because she's like well you would have had to have gone into like the spreadsheet pass I can't believe we're talking I mean people at home I hope this is entertaining and this is just all gonna go to show you like boomer Leah that's what we're getting towards here (laughs) yeah she's like didn't you go to the spreadsheet and find you know, like you would have had to have done that, so you don't even remember doing that. I'm like, I didn't even know we had that. And she's like, Well, it's on the stock that we use like every week of like who does what jobs. I mean, I still like news to me. I had no like if we I mean I, I believe I knew at one point. I have long since forgotten that that was something we knew about. So I was like, okay, I know I didn't do that because I didn't even know that was there. So that makes me feel slightly better. Then you were like, go and do, like, what about, like, your online password rememberer thing? Manager, rememberer. That just goes to show you, what about your online password rememberer? 
And I'm like, I don't have, I don't like, I don't know what that is. And anyway, like, well, you must have one. I'm like, I literally have no idea what you're talking about. Well, because then you were, because then you were like, oh my God, wait, I have the memory of the dots. Yes. Yeah. And so then I was like, Oh, I remembered I had to share this password with someone. And okay, to my credit, I was in the middle of doing like nine different things. And I was like, I need to go and send this to someone. And I went to send it. And when I opened up the account, the password was just like a series of dots. And I was like, well, I'll copy and paste it and figure out what the dots are. The fact that you even thought that would work (laughs) is what blows my fucking mind. And the thing was like, no, you can't do that. And I was like, oh, fuck it. Like, I'll use a password that we use a lot, and I'll just tell Amy and Megan. I did it. So she changed the password. Yeah, you changed changed the password. Didn't write it anywhere. Was like, I'm going to tell them. Forgot to tell them. Forgot I ever did it in my life and, like, went out of my life. (laughs) But when I remembered the dots, I was like, oh, I do remember the dots. Yes, I did change the password. (laughs) And Amy thought it was very funny that I don't know that there's password managers not rememberers managers because i said i said you can't copy and paste the dots they're there for a reason security reason i said but if you had the dots that means that your laptop has remembered the password which means it is stored in your laptop's password manager and if it's through google then the way that you find your google passwords is you go to password.google.com in your google account and there's all your passwords i still don't even know what you're talking about right now (laughs) And then like, we get I, into then we get into phones, folks. I said, "Well, you know where your password manager is on your iPhone, right?" She's like, "I do not know what this witchcraft is." Yeah, um, I don't. And so the way I do passwords, look, I am aware of hackers. So if you think you're going to hack me, good fucking luck is all I can say. Because I just come up with random shit. It all lives up in my brain when I don't forget things, and that's what I do. And nine times out of 10, I forget everything and have to change it into some other convoluted thing. And if you think Amy's frustrated, imagine how my husband feels. He's like not able to access our entire, like if I ever get hit by a bus, game over, folks. White truck of death. It It wouldn't get hit by a bus. It'd be a white truck of death. White truck of death. I'm going out with all the codes. (laughs) (laughs) Not the afternoon ones because we have a fucking spreadsheet. (laughs) I will do better at remembering. So anyway, if you care about passwords and being recording things, <laughs> I am your worst nightmare. <laughs> I just love the not remembering that you changed the password Mm-mm. and then not knowing that you actually, not knowing that your I computer, that you can access your passwords on your computer and your phone. I believe that I had did it. I was more scared than I was letting on because I was like, fuck, like, I really don't remember. I remember nothing. But I was happy when I recalled the dots because I had a clear memory of cutting and pasting the dots and having it be like, you can't do that. And I was like, well, shit, I guess I'm changing everything. Because at the time, everyone was really busy and I didn't know. I didn't know our passwords were written down and I knew everyone was busy and I didn't want to bother you asking for a password. So I'm like, I'll change it and just tell you. Later. That's why they're all in one place so that you don't ha- nobody has to bother anybody because they're there. Although I had to bother you last night because you fucked me. Um <laughs> And not in the fun not way. Not in the fun way. But luckily, you were awake. And all is well. You know, this, past, this podcast succeeds despite itself. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to normalize to you. If you're ever at home, like, huh, there's a thing I want to do. I don't know how to do that thing. Right. If we can make this work, <laughs> you can do anything. Because there was one day I was like, we should do a podcast. And I don't even know how to remember a password. <laughs> 
<laughs> and look at where we are now. Exactly. I'm online talking about how I we could, you know, how we would want to hook up with our parallel lives. Because that was the other thing yesterday. I was like, oh, my God, what podcast? <laughs> like, did I talk about how I would hook up with myself as a samurai? And then I was like, <laughs> I did. I did talk about that. Samurai Leah is one of my favorite additions to this podcast. So if you have not listened to June's Afternoon Uncensored, you're you're missing out. That's all I'm saying on Samurai Leah. Yeah, because the thing is, is when I'm here, I'm just in my, I'm in a space surrounded by a lot of BTS paraphernalia. Um, I don't even rarely look at like the camera to like see my co-host. So I really just kind of feel like a lot of the time I'm talking in my head with like Amy or Megan's voice in my ear. And it, it just becomes... It never quite feels real that anyone else would ever listen to it. And now we're at the point where some of the stuff that we do put out there, we're like, should we should should we put the podcast on our resumes? Like, <laughs> is that a resume builder or hindrance? right? So that being said, I want to figure out. A, you know, here's something: the fact that we still do work together successfully is extraordinary it's because we're all very different and Mm -hmm. we complement each other's strengths and weaknesses and we all have them and i would like to say that you are extraordinary oh my goodness (laughs) i was trying i didn't even get it i didn't even get it i threw out that little oh man thank you you have to slow it down i seriously i was in the car for a lot of hours today so Thank you for slowing that down for me. I know where we're going now. We are introducing the drama. <laughs> so if you're part of our Patreon, and look, you should be, because if you're not, like, come, come on board. We can talk about that in a little while. But we often, well, not often, we have. Asked we ask often. It's how much do we follow through on it? Well, I mean, yeah. we do. Eventually. It gets on the schedule. Yeah, so, it just takes a while to get there. Yeah. We asked our patrons for suggestions of dramas to cover for the pod. And um, we also have this calendar that's another spreadsheet that we toss back and forth. No, it's not another spreadsheet. It's all in the same. It's all in the same workbook. It's all the same Google Sheets workbook with different tabs. It's lots of (laughs) spreadsheets all bundled together like a little package. It's called a workbook. (laughs) Workbook. Workbook. It's many sheets. There's lots of sheets in there. Let me just tell you. But there's one that I only go on one and that's the one that has our schedule <laughs> and we toss it back and forth to each other to pick the dramas that we really want the others to watch. So today we have a double whammy because it was both a Patreon pick and an Amy pick. And Amy doesn't get fix that off. <laughs> I don't. Be, it, it's, I mean, it's mostly because I am like always jogging behind you two trying to keep up with your watching. Which, you know, it's it's a challenge for me sometimes. And so I get very excited when it's my pick. But I also get very nervous when it's my pick. Because if I pick something that I'm super excited about, and then you guys don't lo- don't like it, then I feel bad. Let's talk about this. Who's the real good friend here? Between oh, it's 100% and Megan? you. Megan's not right, even Meg- here. <laughs> Megan was like, you're like, for once in like a, you know, six month period. I picked a drama. drama. It's also the Patreon pick that like our followers have asked for. And Megan's like, eh. They're wearing school (laughs) uniforms. 
And it was cheesy when I started it, so I couldn't keep going. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, we love you, Megan, but we're gonna we're gonna stick it to you good tonight. <laughs> we're gonna die. We're gonna die yeah. you the whole time. All right. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit more about extraordinary? Okay. So, Wikipedia. Giving them credit because they actually had a pretty good synopsis here. So, Extraordinary You, the literal title is Haru Found by Chance, is a K drama written by Inji Hei and Song Ha Young based on the webtoon July Found by Chance, written by Mu Ryu. The series follows high school girl Un Dano, played by Kim Hae Yoon, who is a student at the prestigious Soli High School. One day, by chance, she discovers that the world she lives in is a fantasy world of comics. She and everyone else are merely characters in a comic book entitled Secret, all under the authority of their omnipotent and omniscient writer. Dano is only an extra character, and worse, the writer gave her a terrible setup. She's engaged to her longtime crush who despises her, and she has a heart condition and is expected to die soon. Not satisfied with his fate, Dano decides to forge her own destiny by trying to change the story's plot and finding her own true love. Her hopes of freeing herself from the writer's control become stronger when she unexpectedly meets Nameless Student Number 13, played by Rowoon. But as the events around Dano and Number 13, whom she named as Haru, gradually start to have parallels with the writer's previous work, Trumpet Creeper, she finds out that changing her destiny comes with a price that she might not want to pay. So before we get to the drama itself, let's talk comps. I have not seen any other shows or anything that has a setup of a character finding out that they're in a book. Have you? And is it a conceit you enjoy? I was really excited to talk about this because they're and they're, you know, they're Western comps. So I think the better known one is the movie Stranger Than Fiction. Will Ferrell finds out that he is a character in a novel being written by uh, Emma Thompson. She plays the writer. And he starts to realize that he doesn't have free will and he wants free will. And it's a really cool like meta movie, but he gets to like actually see, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I think he gets to interact with the writers. We do get to see like, you know, writer and, um, and character and how it all sort of pans out. Um, And it was really, really well done. A really cool movie. Big, you know, departure if you're expecting, you know, like Anchorman, Will Ferrell. He's not that in this, but he's still funny because he's Will Ferrell, but he's also, it's also very poignant. Um, just a really great movie. I highly recommend it. And then another one, this is a movie that I, I don't even know how I happened on this. It's more of an indie movie. It's called Ruby Sparks. And it is the story of a writer played by Paul Dano. And he, is a really young, he's a young writer and he had, of course, you know, his first like breakout smash and then, you know, his sophomore effort is not coming around. He's having writer's block. Um, and he basically writes this woman, Ruby Sparks, into existence. Like he decides like he, he's having writer's block. So he's going to write who his, you know, like dream girl would be. And then like the next day he wakes up and she's in his apartment. And she does not know that she has been created by him. And it's this really, really, cool conceit, I think, especially when you're talking about people who are in a relationship together. And I mean, I just remember this scene where he is angry at the way that she's acting. And he's basically like writes her like right in the moment, like just doing some really horrible, like humiliating things because he's mad at her. 
And it was really cool. And the ending of it was really well done, too. So I, I won't give that away because it's a really fun movie to watch. And it's Paul Dano and um, Zoe Kazan is the female lead. And really, really liked that movie. So, yeah, so I've seen this. And as a writer, I think these are really, really cool ideas. And that's one of the reasons why I was super excited for this drama. Because we came to this podcast as writers, right? We all watched Crash Landing on You, and we were like, fuck, like, the writing in that, like, that was romanced on right. Like, we want more of this. And we couldn't stop talking about it, and that's why we're all here. And so to find a drama that is about writing was super exciting for me. And then it has Rowoon in it. Yeah, I was 10 out of 10 going to pick this drama, and then hoping that you guys would love it. And I was one out of two correct on that. (laughs) So yeah, I put this drama on the calendar because I love the setup, especially from a writing standpoint and because of Rowoon. However, I finally started watching this drama right after we finished Alchemy of Souls, which means I was gifted with the added bonus of not one, but two of my tippy top favorite actors, Rowoon and E.J. I was super stoked to watch it and I had very high expectations. So Leah... What were your thoughts going into the drama? Because I feel like before you watched it, that you maybe saw it as an assignment, which I often do too when I haven't picked a drama. But is that correct or incorrect? Correct. And I can't really quite say why, because Rowoon and EJ Ook really like <laughs> both of them. So what, like, like, what was, yeah, what was the hindrance? Like, why would you have not chosen this on your own? comics really <laughs> but like yumi sells that's cartoon but wasn't that based on a webtoon no 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 so it had nothing to do with the webtoon. oh 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 it was the fact that they lived in a comic i don't know what it was like so i mean lots of dramas are centered on webtoons and i just don't think about that as much and i okay. don't but it was something about the comic and there's no reason i mean did you think it was going to be like all of a sudden, like a what the wild boar fight and zombie detective, like something like that would pop up. You know, I don't know. It was just so I've talked before about how I, as much as I don't like to yuck people's yums and I want to be open and curious and receiving to the world, and I am all those things. I also, you know, we're all contradictory people in this world, right? You're not going to be those things all of the time. I am also a judgy bitch. <laughs> And I will, my, so that's my toxic trait. My untoxic trait is that I will admit when I'm wrong. And so like, I was like, oh, I don't like office romance a long time. And then I realized I like, really just like, if I could only watch office romance, apparently I would. And so with this, I was like, oh, comic, I don't know. Like I, for some reason, (laughs) do you know what it was? And this is like, it's, it's such a bad reason is for so it's it really is i can't even believe i'm gonna admit it i was put off because for some reason i thought there was gonna be like flashes to like you know the old batman like comic like no yes. seriously i just had that in my head like oh there's gonna be like comic like like word bubbles and stuff yeah like leaning in i just don't really want to watch that <laughs> and i probably would like it if i saw something i like, like never thought one. i don't know i never thought that and so there was just like that in the back of my head. So it was never that I was like, "Ugh, I hate it. I don't want to watch it. But I'd be like, oh, I've got to watch Extraordinary You. I'm just going to go watch this like random Japanese BL instead because it's short and it's not going to give me word bubbles. That is another thing too. Like I like, and I gave Megan shit for this last week too. 
and and like you're you're fully admitting it too. This has been on our schedule for like a couple of months and we kept pushing it because you're like, well, I'm watching this for, and I'm watching this. I'm not going to have time. And you both kept putting other things in front of it that weren't on schedule for the pod. It's true. And so I have no good reason except for the fact that I had some sort of like comic block and that's it. Like, and, and it wasn't because the source material was a webtoon. It's because they, I knew they were set in a comic. And for some reason, I was just like not into that. So I also think that there may be something lost in translation with the word comic because you're thinking of it as a comic book and they're more, they're in a graphic novel. Correct. <laughs> Correct. There's no, I mean, there's no winning. In my argument. Like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just like, saying, like, I think it's the word, too. Like, the word has the wrong connotation. Yeah, and look, I live in a house of, you know, my son, to my great sadness, honestly, has, like, stepped out of nerd culture. Like, he was deep in nerd culture, um, like, sixth and seventh grade. Like, loved anime, loved manga, loved, like, Godzilla. Like, loved Godzilla to the point, because I just really love when people just get fucking crazy about some random shit. Yeah, nerd out on yeah. something. And so, I mean, he was talking about, like, all the iterations of Godzilla, like, knew all this random shit from, like, 1930s, like, movie production studios in Japan. And I was just like, yes, like, this is, I have parented successfully. <laughs> he has now moved to, like, teen bro. Is he still interesting and, like, unique and special? Yes. But he has, to me, he's going through that teen period where you don't realize that like a lot of the things that make you quirky and odd are actually like the best parts about you. Right. So he wants to like reject that. Right. So he's like very embarrassed. He dyed his hair like white blonde to be like an anime character when he was like in sixth and seventh grade. He doesn't read comics at the moment. He's like listening to a lot of like, you know, Oakland hip hop, which again, like cool, but he's like very much like, I don't want to be part of that nerd culture. My husband loves a comic. So it used to be in my house, we had a lot of comics. We've always had graphic novels, but comics have been a big part of our household up until recently. Um, So lots of Star Wars comics, lots of different random Marvel comics. They're just not my thing. Um, I don't hate them. I really love anything that people can geek out on. It's just like when I would see them, I'd be like, I mean, I would buy them for them. But I mean, like if I was going to ever like sit down and try to open one up, I mean, even I try to read like manga and I just don't like it. And it's not because I don't value it. It's just not my way to read a book. Like, I don't really read graphic novels either. I have, but it's not, like, how I would choose to do it. And that that's that has no and, – and that's just a personal preference. Like, some people don't like to listen to audiobooks or whatever. Like, there's no, like – I have zero judgment on it. I think it's a fine vehicle for storytelling. Our house is full of about 5,000 graphic novel books that I've bought my kids. I just don't really read them. And so I didn't really want to watch a show about them. And that's just me being, you know, this was a lesson learned for me again. I love when the world just gives me a new chance to prove me wrong. And for anybody listening, if you are worried about the same thing that Leah is, the only time you ever see anything in graphic novel form is like a scene transition. You'll just see a page. That's it. And I'll say it's cute. And I like it. Is. it. Yep. So I actually enjoy. So all that to be said, when the novels came out and like you could see the comics, I liked it and it was good. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was expecting like the screen to go more like a comic. Like I was really thinking of like old Batman. 
And no, instead they would be like looking at the book, trying to like figure out answers to themselves, which was quite clever and good. So pleasantly surprised. Yes. Which made me happy. Like when Leah messaged me on Slack after watching like the first two episodes and was like, oh my gosh, I love this already. It was like a huge sigh of relief because I didn't want, I didn't want to give somebody homework that they, you yeah. know, weren't going to get some joy out of. And it happens to all of us, right? Like we've given each other dramas to watch that the others haven't loved and, and it happens. I wouldn't take it personally if you didn't like this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I would because I loved it. I wouldn't take it personally, but I would feel bad if mm-hmm. I put you through yeah. 32 episodes of something that was a slog. So I want to add that not only, so I enjoyed it, but I think what really helped me enjoy it more. So I just want to talk because I don't have this as an experience. I normally watch alone. Do you normally, like you watch your dramas alone? I watch alone. Unless, yeah. unless it's all of us are dead or anything with zombies that my son watches with me. Yeah. So I'm very, I mean, it's rare. So my daughter watches dramas too, Bronte, but she often, like we watch separate generally. And um, like, I'll tend to watch something, be like, I liked X, Y, or Z, and then she'll watch it. This is a drama I watched from start to finish with both my middle child, who is um, almost 13, and then my almost eight-year-old, which was really fun because she probably got about 65% of the subtitles. And, you know, I felt like good for you for, I'm parenting well, because you're reading a lot. Um, And so it was fun because it was a drama that I watched with the two of them. And I've never watched a drama with both my daughters before. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that they, and I love that they loved it too. They loved it. And they had big feelings throughout it. And we had big debates because we came out in different sides of things. Well, and didn't Bronte watch True Beauty? Bronte has watched True Beauty and loves it. And has been very mad to me. Yes. One of her great grievances with me is that I have not watched True Beauty. Yeah, I think we might have to. Yeah, I mean, it's high school. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, we're obviously going down a path here of 40-something women who love high school dramas. So yeah. And only Korean, because I will not watch, like, you know, I'm not into, like, American high school dramas. No, I'm not either. Except, well, I will say, so I'm watching Exo Kitty with my daughter, and there's a Oh, I think I would like that. Yeah, I'm watching Exo Kitty, because she and I both read all of the, you know, Jenny Han to all the to all the boys I love before books, and we watched all the movies, and we loved them, and we love um, the girl who plays Kitty, and so when we found out Exo Kitty was coming and that it takes place in Korea, like I was so super stoked. So I'm watching it with her. And first of all, there's people in it who have been in K dramas. Like one of the main leads, I believe, I looked this up yesterday. I believe he played young a young Gudong Mei. Mm. But the point is, every little thing that keeps happening, I keep shouting out. And now this, and now this, because this is a K-drama. Oh my god, this is a K-drama. It is totally written like a K-drama, and I freaking love it. It takes place in Korea. The Korean-American lead, Kitty, who goes to this, you know, uh, Korean international school in Seoul, um, Kiss, she has had this, you know, pen pal relationship with Day, her Korean sort of not really consummated yet boyfriend, but kind of Korean boyfriend. And Day is a kid who is in need of scholarship money for his next semester at KISS and ends up falling into a fake dating thing with the rich daughter of the principal and whose father is like a CEO. And it's all the same like tropes and stuff that are in K-drama. And I freaking love it. And so I keep telling, and half of it's in Korean too, like there's subtitles and stuff like that. And I keep 
telling my daughter, I'm like, you need to just watch a K-drama now because you're watching one. This is a K-drama. Mm-hmm. And fun. she loves it. So maybe, maybe I'll pull over to the K-drama side, but we'll see. So we all had feelings about the actor who played Interna Moogie in Tale of the Nine-Tailed, season one, Terry. If you haven't watched Tale of the Nine-Tailed season one, you are missing out on an all-powerful villain who, to get to Gia, the woman he needs to possess to truly have all the power, he poses as an intern for her company. <laughs> so he can work with her. With with a lanyard. With a lanyard. I mean, Intern Moogie wears his lanyard, sits in an team meetings. demon dragon. Goes to team dinners. Like, it's <laughs> hilarious. It's one of the best, most ridiculous villain setups that we've seen, and Eteri is one smoke show of a villain. In Extraordinary You, he plays Dried Squid Fairy, a dreamy character on whom all the girls crush, who exists only in the cafeteria or whenever like food is being served, sometimes it's outside, to serve Dried Squid, and who seems to know more about the comic book world than anyone else. So... I know I mentioned it when I first saw him, but I think that you had for- had forgotten when you started watching that it was a movie. Is yeah. that correct? Like, what was your reaction? Yeah, so it wasn't like Megan. Megan didn't ever realize it was a movie. Like, because Megan watched the first episode and was like, a movie was in it. So I was watching okay. it. And as soon as he came on, I, was, I knew it was, I was like, oh, my fucking God, it's a movie. <laughs> but I like had was like, I forgot that he was in the drama because I probably would have watched it quicker if I knew that. Yeah. So I have a thing for E. Terry. I loved him in Tale of the Night Tale. I thought he was cuckoo crazy amazing. <laughs> His character was amazing. And I thought he played it well, but it's a very buttoned up character. Like he doesn't get to do There's no there's and there's not like really any depth to it. He's just yeah. bad for the sake of being bad and wants more power. Yeah, and he's reserved as well. Yes. So I mean like it's hilarious, but he also doesn't get a lot to do. So I'm gonna say that Dried Squid Fairy has a lot more of emotional depth to him. Yes. He also has very dyed blonde hair. And, you know, I don't mind it. I thought I'd I don't either. It. Like, at first I was like, oh, I don't know. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm all in. I'm all in on blonde, you know. <laughs> I mean, he's always going to be a Mookie to me. But he had a lot more to do in the role of Dried Squid Fairy. And I also felt like he was a kind of a mystery character where I was never quite, like, there were times where I was like, you know, I didn't know where he fit within the world. I wasn't sure if he was creating the world. Sometimes I wasn't sure if he was the ultimate villain. Like I just, I had a lot of questions about him and it was fun to have a character with a lot of mystery. Yeah. I loved him. I I thought he was great. And we, we did get to know a lot more about him in the second half, which I thought was fun. We'll get to that in, um, in the spoiler section. He is also in true beauty. So, I mean, we do need to see true beauty because there is crossover between these two. Yes. Because it's the same, it's the same writers, right? Yeah. Isn't that, yeah, that's what I thought. And he was also in The Beauty Inside, which is something we've been threatening to watch for a bazillion years. Oh my gosh, we need to. That's a movie, right? Yeah. Where, like, the characters all, uh, I think the conceit is something along the lines of... um, It's the book, it's like the book Every Day by, by David Levithan. Yeah, every month she transforms into someone new for a week. Same soul, different body. Oh, we mm-hmm. could have some good fun talking about the soul backpack and that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, Itae I think an unsung cutie uh, and and good, like a good actor in K-drama. Yeah, I really, really liked him in this. So, okay. 
from a writing standpoint, this drama is very, very meta. We're going to get more into the weeds on whether or not this conceit is just about writing or if it's a metaphor or an allegory or who knows what. But just looking at the drama as writers ourselves, how do you think the drama nailed it as far as story structure and character arcs? Remember, no spoilers yet. Right, that's hard. But I do, I do think we can talk about it without giving away stories. Because I, I do think, like, we had a great setup. Like, the setup is there in the, um, in the description of the drama. Like, that's a really clever setup, right? Mm-hmm. And then we, ta- I mean, we talked about this. Like, sometimes when you're writing a book, you get to what's called the saggy middle. And the saggy middle is basically where you're like, I know what I want to get to. And I have this really exciting thing that I want to get to but I can't get to it yet. So I have to write more stuff. And you know, how are you going to keep the sort of momentum going? And sometimes it gets hard. And sometimes books can have a saggy middle dramas can have a saggy middle. And I do think that this had a saggy middle, but I think it was also an intentional saggy middle. And we talked about that a little. What do you think? I don't know. So going back, here's the thing is maybe, (laughs) and I'm not sure so I loved the first quarter of it. Then we got to what I would consider to be a saggy middle. And could they have been leaning in on the ter- on like how stories are structured? Yes. Either way, though, you're still in a saggy middle. Yeah. I think this Agreed. has a saggy Agreed. middle. And so even if it was meant to be there, like props to them, but you still made me be in it. <laughs> And I like that part. So, I mean, there was never a part where I was like, oh my God, I need to quit this drama. I'm over it. But there's a part where I was like, we were in. So, I mean, like we're, let's talk a little bit about a saggy middle. Sure. So to me, I would define a saggy middle. Like when I see people hit a saggy middle or I've hit a saggy middle, um, it's more that you get this like great idea for a book, right? Like, and I mean, lots of people have a great idea. Like, Oh my God, I want to do a book about like what would happen if a comet hit the world and took away all the oxygen for people and society (laughs) melts down. Okay. Black Knight spoiler. Oh my God. I got this vision for what that would be. So you're like, Oh, this is going to crush it. And you just start like pounding out the words But the problem is, is like, you know where you're going or you know how you wanted to start. You may know where you want to get to. Like, and then in the end, there's going to be a fucking showdown and it's going to be crazy. And there's going to be like, (laughs) there's going to be a wheelchair turning and a human blood bag. Oh, it's going to be awesome. But you got to connect the dots. And this is where, you know, it can be tricky because you have a lot of different threads that you're trying to hang on to and keep them all tight, like a little tiger. And instead things can like get away from you all of a sudden, you know, you've got like plot threads that are falling apart or something resolves itself pretty quickly or something else. You're like, there's just a lot that can go wrong. And if it's going to go wrong, it generally goes wrong in the middle. And so this is what I see in terms of like, you know, when you're watching a drama and you're just like all of a sudden, like halfway through it and you're like, Oh, like what's going on? It's the saggy, it's the saggy middle. And it doesn't mean that the writer sucks. It doesn't mean that they are lazy. It just means it's a phenomenon. Like it just happens. And and I, my heart goes out to drama writers with it because we in the commercial fiction world also are usually writing at a very fast clip. So this narrative of like an author in like tweed 
looking out a window, smoking a pipe and drinking espresso and getting paid like hundreds of thousands of dollars for some important book. Like that is not the life that like a genre fiction writer is living, nor is it the life that most drama writers are probably living. It's like, you have to get this shit out quick. You need to make it fun and entertaining and like emotional and, and the speed I don't think people understand the speed that people are under to crank out these things. And I, I mean, I'm not a drama writer, but like I've seen how like, you know, you're writing only usually a couple of dramas ahead of like the story getting published. That's a lot. And so it could be like all of a sudden like, Oh shit. Like I've written myself into a corner here. I got like a week or two to get myself out of this. Siggy middle shit happens when that happens. (laughs) It's a lot of pressure. So I don't usually come for people crazy hard with a saggy middle. I mean, nobody ever likes to be in one, but in this one, it was like, I couldn't tell if they were trying to show it like intentionally with the book structure or not, but it still wasn't like a fun part to be in for me. Yeah. And just to give an idea, like some things that happen in saggy middles is you lose a bit of conflict. You're not like really rooting for anything because nothing important is really happening. I think in this one, we saw a lot of repetition and the repetition, like the characters reacted to the repetition. Like this is not a spoiler, but like, you know, when there's like a page turn and Undano wakes up in the empty nurse's office bed again, there's no nurse ever. Like I I forgot to even bring that up. There's no nurse. And this is, this is like a K-drama trope or, or whatever. There's never a nurse in the nurse's office. These Mm -hmm. kids treat themselves, um, but whenever she, you know she'd wake up and or or if she'd be in the hospital she'd be like oh not again and sometimes we would be like yeah oh not again like how many times are you gonna you know collapse it, and be in the hospital it was too many times and I mean like they were trying to be like the writer too they'd be like they and like this is why I think there was intentionality because they'd even be in the middle like ha- does this writer have any fresh ideas I'm like clearly yeah. not because I'm <laughs> dying too. <laughs> So yeah, so that's a saggy middle when, you know, things keep happening or get, you know, regurgitated, stuff like that. Cause you're like, well, I, maybe if I just do this again, it'll get me enough pages or enough minutes, you know, to get to the next scene. Um, and it happens. It happens with all of us. I'm sure I have plenty of saggy middles in my books and yeah, it happens. I don't like it, but like Leah's saying, like, especially in, in the drama world and we can speak from experience in the romance world, um, you need to crank stuff out fast. It's not a leisurely pace yeah and sometimes everything aligns and everything like you just and it's not that you get i mean there's a little bit of luck and magic there's some experience to it and what i want to get into once we get into the spoiler section is i think characters have to cooperate (laughs) and i think that's an interesting that's where i think the interesting parts of this drama are is like the intersection between writer and character yeah i love it but if you listen last week, Amy and I did throw Megan under the bus for bowing out of drama set in high school. <laughs> so we liked Boys Over Flowers. You know, I don't know if I loved Airs. I'm on the record for saying unkind things about it, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, and now Extraordinary You. I've also loved like Meteor Garden. Uh, I consider All of Us Are Dead, one of my favorite dramas. So why do you think high school dramas appeal to some adults and not others? So are we dirty ajumas or is there something else to it? You know, and I'm also like, you know, we were just talking about how we don't watch, you know, American high school stuff, but we watch Korean dramas, Korean high school dramas. And we don't, like, that wasn't a huge list. It's not like that's all we're watching. But every time I come to one, I'm like, oh, yeah, I really like this. And I don't know if it's like some sort of nostalgia or, you know, just me being able to, you know, 
put myself in the place of like a hero or heroine who is younger again. I don't really know. I just I feel like I relate to the emotions of it all. Like I remember that. Like I remember the angst of that time. And I remember how the most important thing in the world was like the person you had a crush on and how important those relationships are. And all that still feels very fresh to me. Like, I don't know. I know I know that when I was that age, I thought that my age was super old, but I don't feel super old. And I think that's part of it too. I don't feel like I'm so far removed from that experience, even if it has been a few decades. Like, I don't know. I just, I love that angst. I feel like we get such good emotional boo-boos in the high school age where, you know, if we had, you know, EJ Oak's character of Beck Young as a grown ass man, we'd be like, get the fuck over yourself. Like, stop moping around. I'm all alone. You're all I've got. Like, I don't know. But when you got it from a 19 year old kid, like, give it to me. I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's part of the angst of it. And I just, I like the angst of it. You can be angsty at that age. You can't be angsty as an adult and get away with it. Yeah. It's a different kind of angst. I mean, like, yeah. You, yeah. you, you can have emotional boobas as an adult, but you can't, you can't act about those emotional boo-boos, you can't act the way that a teenager would. You're forced to be more mature about it. Whereas when you're a teen, you can wallow in your feels and that's an acceptable person to be. And yeah, I, I just, I remember being that person. I remember being angsty and I, it was real and it still feels real when I see them going through it. And I don't feel dirty because I'm not, <laughs> I'm not looking at EJ Ook as, Jung Ook, the man, the mage. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's totally different. Yeah, let me be clear. So I hate not I mean, you have two high schoolers now. You've got one like I do just started. I've... Yeah. And you have one that's getting ready to finish. I have yeah. one who's just getting ready to start. Boy oh boy, do I not have a thing for high school boys. I mean, I love <laughs> I love mine. I love mine. Um, and I mean, good, like that's illegal and morally suspect. So no, I'm not watching these to like get, and I mean, like, let's be real too. Like some of these actors are more like 90210 where we had like, you know, characters who were like in their thirties playing high school characters. But in this case, no, there's like no fetishizing of the high schooler. No. But I love coming of age stories. And so be it set in high school or be it set in kind of like that college or just on the cusp of adulthood story. I think that there's something really compelling to me that I never really move on from that as a like story arc that I'm into of that transition from the world of childhood to the world of adulthood. I find really just a fascinating time. I work in higher ed because I like this time. <laughs> and I was a high school librarian for eight years. Like I, I still read, you know, young adult literature. Yeah. Like it's, there's something, there's just something emotionally connective about it. Yeah. And as I get older, I consider myself less relating to it and more wanting to like mentor and support through it. And I just find it to be, it's a really fraught time. I like internal conflict and I like people grappling with the world and I like it in adult dramas too. So like I just watched my liberation notes. That's what happens for most of the drama. 
And so it happens in a different way in high school. But for example, like in Our Blues, I loved the high school line where there was an accidental high school pregnancy and two young like Romeo and Juliet types trying to like figure out what to do despite the fact that their dads who were formerly besties hate each other's fucking guts. And they're number one and number two in terms of accomplishment at the school. And now they have to figure out what they're going to do in their pregnancy. And it had a lot of coming of age uh, aspects to it as well. So I just, I really like it. I don't apologize for it. And I don't think it makes us dirty. I'm not looking, it would make me dirty if I had a thing where I was like, I just am like Matthew McConaughey and dazed and confused. (laughs) Love those high school girls. I keep getting older and they stay the same age. Like that is not it. I don't want to go back to high school. No, I didn't enjoy being in high school. I enjoyed being in college. I loved being in college, but I did not enjoy being in high school. Yet, I feel like I had a lot of formative experiences that, I mean, here's the other thing, like we're all doing like therapy. We all go back and think about like how we were. So it's just part of that whole kind of just like unpacking, you know, how did we all end up where we ended up? What do we value? How do we like want to be in the world? And at that time, it's also very interesting because everything is still very possible. And it's interesting then to see choices people make. That's very well put. I like that a lot. Thanks. All right. So before we get to our spoiler section, we're going to go to our favorite segment, which is our K-pop wreck of the week. Leah, what do we have today? So I want to do one that I don't think this is technically K-pop, but I'm going to, I'm calling it K-pop. And this is a collab that we have not talked about on our pod, but they did a whole little like snack deep dive on Afternoon Army, which is our sister podcast. And that is... A collaboration that happened between pop singer uh, Halsey and Suga from BTS. And it's their collaboration, Lilith. Which Lilith originally was a track off of Halsey's fourth album, which has one of the best album titles of all time, which is If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power. Halsey and Suga redid the song as a collab for the video game Diablo 4. And it's badass. (laughs) Like, if you have not seen this music video, it is really good. Uh, Halsey is playing the, you know, titular character of Lilith. And I have not played Diablo. I have not played video games in general. But I have to tell you, like, this really kind of, like, turns it around for me and made me kind of compelled to want to. Because the video has this very, like, dark vibe to it. It's filmed in uh, a chapel in France, so it has like a very big gothic feel to it. And she's playing the character of Lilith, who, um, Amy, do you know much about Lilith? I I mean, I do know a little bit. I know like the, she's, she's a big origin for a lot of vampire stories. Yeah. So she's mentioned in the Bible one time as essentially a dweller in waste places in the Old Testament. But the idea is essentially that Lilith was the first wife of Adam in like the Genesis creation story is kind of where she came from. And she was an uncontrollable woman. Their relationship did not work out. She left the garden, ditched him. And as a result, God made a more compelling partner for Adam, pulling her out of his own body, making Eve from his rib. So Lilith was kind of seen as like, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> and um, and I'm not going to get into much more of that with the mythology. Uh, 
two of the members of Afternoon Army, Allison and Friend of the Pod Becky, really kind of like get into some of the lore there. But basically the setup to the song is Halsey coming into this chapel. She is Lilith. And there is a lot of, if you like Tale of the Nine Tales, uh, Hellbridge with like the knives flying and like kind of like walking into hell, essentially, that's the vibe that the video has. And then uh, Suga is playing the character in the video game who is like a fallen angel, a dark lover. They shot it in two different locations. They weren't together when they shot it. Um, I think he might have even been in Seoul when they shot it. But it's sexy, it is like feminist rage, and it's just a really good earworm. So I'm going to recommend it because it's really good. Listen to it. I love it. We will link it in the show notes for sure. This week, I want to talk before we move to the spoiler section, I want to kind of just give an update on some of the things that we've been working on uh, busily in the back end of, you know, our plans for podcasting but kind of just community building because something I realized is that I thought we were making a podcast like originally I was like I want to talk about k-drama we're gonna make a podcast I'm gonna do it with my friends and that's the plan and I realized that what and I mean not just me I think we all realized that what we were really doing was connecting to a whole bigger community outside of ourselves to find joy over a common theme and that's been like life changing and affirming to be able to come into community with so many smart, funny, insightful people and be able to all have something immediately in common, which is, you know, we love the stuff that we love, right? Absolutely. And so one of the places that we get to hang out with some of these people is on our Patreon. So Patreon is a platform that you can go to and kind of invite Invest some money that essentially we use to put into running the podcast. Growing the podcast, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to say that we are taking it all and, you know, building uh, a spaceship to go travel to Mars and waste it. But we're not. We're using it to basically run operations to, like, enhance what we're doing. And so we're really appreciative when people um, join it. And we recently launched a new tier because our friends over at Afternoon Army there's a lot of people who want to talk about BTS too. And we know that there's a lot of our K-drama friends who love BTS and there's a lot that don't and either is okay. And so we launched a new level in our Patreon to have um, an afternoon army tier so that uh, folks who really just want to be able to also come into community over that are able to do so, but we can keep that chat kind of separate outside of the K-drama. So if you join it, you can still talk about K-drama all you want. But if you want to have additional BTS uh, discourse, then we do have a separate uh, chat space to basically dive into all of that too. Because if you're like me, we're just like jumping from fandom to fandom all day long, like a wild animal. And then we forget that we change passwords. (laughs) (laughs) Not we. Me. You. Just me. Just you. And yeah. And then I think we're looking to expand out to have some other uh, podcasts band together with us that we believe in their mission of, you know, connecting and community and just kind of celebrating who we are and our unique interests. And so I think that's something I'm really excited about that, like by fall, we should uh, have probably about three other podcasts kind of uh, tying themselves to us so that we can all float out together and give people what I want, which is a space to just be able to be 
the weirdo that I am and like the stuff I am and feel like I'm with people who get and appreciate what I'm all about. I mean, this is my favorite hour of every week or hour and a half or two hours, however long it takes like to, to get to talk about this stuff and, and know that we get to talk about it all the time. It's amazing. And to have all these other people to talk about it with, it's not that, not that we don't love talking about it with just the three of us, but it, that love grows exponentially when you have this whole community of people to share it with. It is. And I want to pull up something because it makes me laugh. And while, while I'm pulling it up, I also want to say we do have a newsletter too that we have not launched, but we will be launching it this summer. The link to uh, sign up for it is on our website. It's also on Afternoon Army's website. And as we get new podcasts, they're going to have one too, because we're going to make it kind of a uh, platform wide. So all the podcasts will have like a small area feature. We're going to put it out every month and it'll just kind of like keep folks engaged in like a little bit of extra content and hopefully provide some more like connection and community basically. But because our Patreon's funny, I just want to talk about one thing before we jump back in. I wasn't, sure. I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but I think it's funny. So last night I put on our Patreon change one word in a K drama. So if you change one word, what would it be about now? Have you seen these? No. Oh my God. They are fucking funny. So I'm going to do mine first because it's not that funny. Um, so I'll throw one of mine out. So I was trying to give examples and the Patreon just did way better than I did. So I did one, which was boys under flowers, a plucky high school girl murders popular bullies and buries them throughout the grounds of her affluent high school. <laughs> oh, you have to give like a whole write up for it too. That's what I did. Not just, okay. just like do it and then like say what it would be about. Because you want to know what the first thing is that popped into my head? Yes. Because I am like dirty potty humor? Yes. Extraordinary poo. <laughs> and the plot being, <laughs> you just had poo. <laughs> That's pretty Like, I just, I just had to drop a big one, yeah. <laughs> well, here's one. Uncontrollably fondled. Not only is Kim <laughs> been perfectly healthy, but he also gets laid. <laughs> I will watch that drama. I thought it was funny. Here's another one. Alchemy of Souls, S-O-L-E-S. <laughs> a shoemaker struggles to make the perfect shoe for the person they love to prove their love and save them from a life of blisters and fallen edges. <laughs> oh, my God. These are amazing. And then another one, crash landing on you, like E-W-E, a female <laughs> sheep. A South Korean heiress crash lands in a North Korean sheep farm and falls in love with a shepherder who teaches her how to knit. <laughs> These are fantastic. And what's right with Secretary Kim? A secretary who works for an overbearing and unreasonably demanding boss resigns and doesn't go back to work. <laughs> um, okay, I'll give two more and then we'll be done. It's okay to be okay. A mediocre boy dates a mediocre girl and they live a mediocre life. Awesome. And the king's disinfection a physician becomes the crown prince's royal tutor and teaches everyone how to wash their hands properly amidst a <laughs> pandemic these are so well there's thought so out. many there's so many like i just oh like calling gosh. out a couple so if i didn't wait well, like 85 81 a tale of championship bingo and the unexpected love in a nursing home <laughs> spoiler it still doesn't end well <laughs> I mean, if I didn't say yours, it's not because I didn't think it was good. I was just calling them as I was like scrolling past. They were all funny. Amazing. So yeah, come hang out on Patreon because these these Patreon members are witty, witty, witty. Um, so yeah. All right. 
Yeah, we got to get to the spoiler section because we got a lot left to do. We really do. Okay, so it's time to really get into it. This is our spoiler section for Extraordinary You. So if you don't want this lovely, beautiful meta drama ruined for you, you've got 16 hours of drooling over Rowan and EJ Oak to do. It's a tough job, but we know you're up to the task. Or if you've already watched the drama or don't mind spoilers, then join us on stage and in the shadow as we dive deep into the rabbit hole of Extraordinary You. So most humans see themselves as the hero or heroine in their own personal stories. It's no different for our Extraordinary You's heroine, Undeno. Even when she becomes self-aware and realizes she's a character in a comic, she embraces it. After all, she's the female lead. The story revolves around her. Which of the A3 boys, Baekhyung, Dohua, or Namju, is going to be her true love? Except, record scratch, Dano realizes she is not the main character. She's an extra, and her purpose is only to push the main leads, Onamju and Yojuda, together. So let's just unpack this. Dano is the viewer's main character, but she's not the main character in her own story. And the main leads are literally named male lead, Namju, played by Kim Young-dae, and female lead, Yoju, played by the uh, former girl group April's Na-un. Quick little sidebar, because as I was doing research on this, April disbanded, like, I think less than a year ago, um, supposedly due to a bullying scandal, which I think is also a little meta, because Yoju Da plays the poor girl who is the object of the rich boy's affection, and she is bullied by all the girls who crush on Onamju. So just a little tidbit there. You know, what are all the netizens saying? I'm giving it to you. So Dano is the quintessential side character who takes on a life of her own and demands to have her own story. As a writer, has that ever happened to you, where you're writing your main lead story, but a side character keeps calling to you? Or if it hasn't happened to you in your writing, which I know it probably has, um, have you ever been reading a book or watching a show and fallen for a side character much harder than a lead? Um, I've talked in the past, but one of the most like I think what set me on the trajectory to romance writing was my love for a second character. Um, and that was from the movie I watched in seventh grade, a Daniel Day Lewis vehicle last to the most weekends. I did not fall in love with Daniel Day Lewis or his character. I fell in love with a side character who has maybe like five lines in the whole movie. And that is his adopted uh, indigenous brother Uncle, <laughs> who has a love story with a character that I don't believe he speaks to on camera. And I was deeply compelled by this. I began writing fanfiction over them, and I think it set my trajectory to what my love of them. Um, and then also, like, I've done, uh, like, a couple of trilogies where, you know, they're brothers, and so there was one in particular where I knew the last brother was scarred and mysterious and I wanted to do a Beauty and the Beast story with him and he was my third brother in the series and I like the first two brothers fine but I just wanted to get to the last brother the whole time. <laughs> totally I had that my first cowboy series was three brothers and I I li- I loved all of them but whenever I was writing about one I wanted to be writing about the other two and I think that just happens like when you have an idea for a character it's the same thing with even just a book when you have a fresh new idea you want to get to that fresh new idea and so I think when you're in the thick of it with a character and you know that there's this other one who's going to be so much fun you're like I just want to get to there 
So I want to talk about, because you had a really big impact to a scene that I did not. Um, so let's talk about this. So Rowoon's character does not show up until episode four, and he does not utter his first words until the last seconds of episode six. He is a nameless extra known only as student 13. Yet Dano cannot ch- shake the feeling that him showing up in the story is a sign that she can change her fate. We get this buildup of Haru, this character who seemingly has no awareness and can't even speak. Yet at the end of episode six, when no one else can hear, he finally speaks her name, Undano. So what was your reaction to Haru's beginning of his awareness? Okay, I don't, like, this This drama hit me emotionally, like, bigly. And this was the first time that I re- realized what it was going to do to me. I burst into tears when he said her name. And I don't know if it was just the anticipation. And I even knew... So Megan from Afternoon Army um, was also watching this and she was a little bit ahead of me. And she's like, just to warn you, you won't even see his face until episode four. And so I was like prepared for it, but I don't know. It was like this whole, the whole like sort of coming into being of Haru. I don't know. It just, it it fucking hit me. Yeah. And when he says he's stacking these rocks and it's supposed to mean, you know, something about the person you love and he's, she can't get the rocks to stack and then he puts the rock on and it stays and he just says really quietly, Undano. And I just lost it. It was really weird. I was not expecting that. Yeah, I think I did not have that reaction. <laughs> I liked it, but um, I think I was just more like, oh, it's fun to see how there's this, you know, like walk on character essentially and how they're going to like evolve. And I just was like entertained by it, but I didn't have this like cathartic feel. I actually didn't shed a single tear this entire time. <gasps> Not one. Oh my God. I was a blubbering mess for the end. Well, the almost end. We'll get to that. So Soom P has a great list of 12 crucial moments in Extraordinary You that I will share or we will share in the show notes. But I really liked number four on this list. And it is when the self-aware kids poke fun at the cheesiness of it all. So going back to throwing Megan under the bus for a minute for not watching. Love you, Megan. But one of her complaints was that she watched episode one and only episode one. And it was so cheesy and tropey. But we both argued, Leah and I, that that is the point. It's tongue-in-cheek. The characters are in on the joke. The writers are in on the joke. So do you have an example that you liked one time when our self-aware characters were letting us know that they were in on the joke? So a character that took me by surprise in this was a character who, once they got self-aware, became super fun and interesting to me, and that was Judah who was actually like, was like the main lead of the secrets book. Yeah. And, you know, she's like the bullied put upon like water bottle character. And I think that's what it was. It was that she was such a water bottle and then to have her become a whole person. And I loved it when she essentially became self-aware and she was never like a villain, but she was essentially like, fuck this. I'm getting mine. Yeah. (laughs) And she like, one thing that we haven't really talked about is that we had like the stage and the shadow. Yeah. And so you would be on the stage when um, you, the author was writing uh, like the book and then you, so you were forced into whatever the scene was. And then the shadow would be like when you were off stage and you could kind of do whatever you wanted. And 
I really liked it because first of all, it reminded me of like the really famous, I mean, honestly, like the way you would sell this drama in like one sentence is the Shakespeare quote, like all the world's a stage and all the men and women are merely players. Yeah. And so when she would pop out of the stage, once she had awareness, she was just a, she was a cold bit. Like, I want my money. I want this. Like I'm picking you because like my life's going to be better. And it was just like, it was, so I don't know if it was like in on the joke. She was like, all of a sudden, like, I'm in on the power and I'm here for it and I'm yeah. going to play my angle. And it was just a really- like, I'm not going to be the water bottle. She's like, I'm not going to just, I'm not going to settle no, for that. And she had all the power, all the pants, all the everything. And it just became a very funny way to be like, from going like, who me? I'm bullied. I'm just nice to being like, fuck y'all. Like, I'm going to get the bullies back. I'm going to get the money. I'm going to get the guy that I don't even know if I really like, but I want all of his power and money. And it was a really funny twist to it. I love it. I think there's a little bit more to her staying with Onamju, and I get okay. to that in a little bit. So we'll we'll talk about that. But I, yeah. So I, um, one of my favorite parts of the drama. So we have this character Idohua, and he is in the book Secret. He is the second male lead, right? He's in love with Yojuda, and his inner monologue whenever he is on stage or in stage, however we say it. And had to either say something super cheesy to Yojuda or had to cry while playing the violin. (laughs) (laughs) And in his head, he would just be like, why? This is the worst. My character is the worst. I would never do this. Like, why am I crying? It was hilarious. And that was super fun because I just, I loved like, and that happened a lot in the drama where characters would be on stage and they'd have to move and do, you know, everything to the writer's whim. But you could hear their inner monologue of them hating everything they're doing and saying. Yeah, really good. Okay, so Dano gives Haru his name, which means day, because she believes that now that he's in her life, her day will change. Yojuda and Onamju have symbolic, or maybe the right on the nose names, like their names mean like female lead and male lead. And now Haru has a symbolic name too. How important are names to you when you name your own characters? Because I know that I like scour like baby naming books and stuff like that. What do you think about when you name your characters? Hmm. I. And I shouldn't say baby naming books, baby naming websites. I don't have baby naming books in the house. So occasionally a name comes to me fully. Like I'll just like the name is already there. And I just go with it and I can't like, it's just like the name is there. The person is there. A funny one is a character that was like super on the nose and I just couldn't change it. And it was a Southern set book where my hero was going to be Rhett. <laughs> I was like, it's just, <laughs> I'm just doing it. It's in my head. I cannot write him a different name. Another time I had a book where I was like, I think it was my first published book. And we've talked about this before. And I had, um, I had other characters' names very clearly, very clearly. Like uh, my female lead in the book was a character named Talia. And that name just appeared to me like in a vision. But no, like, I mean, it just happened. Like I just knew my character was going to be called Talia. Her voice was really, really clear for me. It just was very much like this is just who you are. The male character, the love interest, did not talk to me. It was a really difficult thing. I was a newbie author. I didn't know what to do because this is the thing, like who's in control, right? And for me, I feel as if 
when I'm writing well and I'm in the flow, I just turn my brain off. And I write, I've written a huge amount of stories before where I've actually had my eyes closed and I'm just typing. I've had my face on a pillow before and I'm typing. And that's not to say it's like mysticism, but there's like something that happens where I'm accessing parts of my brain and I'm not fully in like coherent control. <laughs> Yeah, it does. It's it's a real thing, like the flow state of writing. Yeah. Like there's flow. Yeah, it's it's for real. Yeah, and and you know when you're not in it, and when you're just like, yeah. and like what's funny is sometimes I go back and I'll be like, I was writing it on the flow state. I thought it was fucking shit because whenever something's not in the flow state, I think it's bad, and it's not. It's sometimes totally fine, but it's a very different feeling. So in this case, I had this character that was never talking to me at the beginning ever. And I had a name for them and I shared it to Amy at one point and she thought it was really funny. And it was my first, my first published, not my first ever written, but my first published hero's name before I figured out who he was. His name was Dylan Baxter. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, no wonder he didn't talk to me because I was like, what was I thinking? I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know how those that name combination appeared to me, but I was like, oh, I'm going to go with Dylan Baxter. He works for... <laughs> no offense to any of the Dylan Baxters out yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, he'll file your taxes for you, and uh, he's adept at PowerPoint, but is he going to, like, <laughs> jump on a surfboard and, like, fuck you into tomorrow like he needed to do in the book? No. Um, and I mean, the name that I ended up with when my character appeared, it's highly silly and I don't even give a shit because it just was who he was. And that was Bran Lockhart. <laughs> but I love it. I mean, it was just like, if you're going to have a romance hero's name. And once I had that, I had a voice. And at that point I like, by the time I got to book two, I was like, oh my God, I could only write in this guy. Like this, the voice became so clearly to me once I, but I had to get the name right. And I didn't have the name right a lot in book one. And so he actually has very few POV chapters because I had to go back and like pretty much add him in because he had never talked to me when he then, once he did start talking, he never shut up. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. And, and it, it is a real thing. Like your characters do take on a life of their own and make their own decision. And I think naming them correctly helps do that. And I, I have had times where names have just, like, come to me, but I've also had, like I said, I, I'm scouring, like, baby naming websites and stuff like that, and I don't have a rhyme or reason. I just know when I see it. Mm -hmm. I just know that's the name. Like, yep, that's it. So do you have any names to share? Like, I don't have any symbolic names, like, in, you know, like, in Extraordinary You, but I do have a tendency to, like, favor certain names and, like, accidentally reuse them or use, like, different versions of them. So in my women's fiction book that uh, came out last summer, two summers ago, I don't even know anymore. Um, I think it was two summers ago already. And book two is coming out next week. And it'll already be out by the time this, this uh, podcast drops. Mm. So it was called Bloom Girls. And the, book two is called uh, The Cottage on Glass Lake. And that comes out next week. Anyway, in the Bloom Girls, I had a character named Matthew. And... In my upcoming book that's coming out in September called Second Chance Garden, I have a character named Mateo. I just like the name Matthew for some reason in every form of Matthew. And I, I don't care that I have the, these books are not related and they come, they're come they coming out like years apart from each other. I don't care. But in the Mateo book, I also had a woman and it was the woman who is dating his father. Her la I made her last name Matheson. And my editor was like, you can't have like a Mateo and a Matheson. It just, it's too much. And I'm like, you're right. 
Like, you're totally right. I just, for some reason, subconsciously keep adding in forms of this name. I don't know. Matthew Matherson. Yeah. (laughs) Matthew Matt Matherson. Yeah. So, you know, there we go. But again, it speaks to the fact that, like, who's in control, and this is why I enjoy the story so much, is that there's times where I'm like, my characters are completely out of fucking control. They're not doing anything I want them to do. And now I feel like, oh, my God, are they all living in, like, some world and I'm the author asshole where they're all like, fuck you. Like, like stop making us do, do this. Right. Yeah. yeah. And meanwhile, I'm like, no, you will be in this wildfire and you will save this baby fawn. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. That care, <laughs> that, that hero that, that had the scar. Yeah. yeah he saved a I fawn. That. He saved a fawn in the middle of a wildfire because I thought. Because he was a fire he, jumper. Yeah. He was a smoke jumper. A smoke jumper. Sorry. Yeah. And I don't know why. Like, and the problem is, is that's when I was in control. The story wasn't in control. I was like, it's going to be like, it wasn't even meant to be funny. But in my mind, it just amused me to be like, and then there's going to be a baby fun that he saves. There's nothing funny. The scene's not funny. Nothing's funny about it. Just know me myself was laughing, which means that my characters were probably like, what the fuck am I doing right now? Yep. Okay. So Beck Young, Beck Young, Beck Young. It was a hard transition to spend 30 episodes with E.J. Uk as our favorite mage, Jung Uk, and then travel back in time to see him as a 19-year-old high school student who was legit 19, like, in real life, too, when he was playing this character. But being the stellar actor that he is, we were quickly all in on Beck Young, who reminded us both of our favorite character from Ayers, and the reason, the one reason why Leah did like Ayers, and that was Choi Young-do, played by Kim Woo-bin, and Kim Woo-bin's eyebrows. What is it about the poor, little, emotionally boo-booed rich boy that gets us every time? So I think I've talked in the past about, like, one of my, like, toxic traits is that I have a love for, like, the Byronic hero. And the Byronic hero is a type of romantic hero named after um, an English poet, Lord Byron, who was, he was a baron, and one of his lovers called him something along the lines of like sad, bad, and dangerous to know. And he was also known to be like moody and cynical and kind of like antisocial, those kind of things. Um, so there's usually like angry, they're rebellious, they might struggle with vices, they might be highly sexual, they're usually very emotionally aware, even if they're making bad choices, they're usually outsiders of society. And all of these things come together to make them brood, like, they know kind of what's up. But rather than like, grapple with it in a healthy way, they kind of like simmer and stew on it. And I don't know why it's hot, but it is. And actually, I think I do know why. And it's even worse. Because then it becomes like the whole pick me thing of like, oh, like the bad boy who hates everyone likes me. But like, that's a fantasy and that's okay. <laughs> it is. It's right? the butter. Yeah. It's the butter fantasy. Real life, I do not recommend it. But I think that's where it's like hitting you in that. Yeah. And usually they have like, once they fall, it can become like an all consuming passion. Like you have unlocked this thing within them and they will like, you know, they're going to like Heathcliff out on you and like ruin, the, burn the world to have you. I just, I mean, when I started watching this, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's Choi Young Do. And then you started watching it, you're like, oh my God, he's Choi Young Do. And for those of you who haven't seen Errors and, and know this character, like we hadn't, we didn't know any Kim Woo Bin before we saw Errors. We we knew mention of Kim Woo Bin because of uh, Reaper choosing that name 
in uh, in Goblin, and it was a joke, and we didn't get the joke back then, but we do now. And he is, I mean, he's a bully. Like, he pushes the heroine in a pool when it's, like, 40 degrees outside, and she's, like, in a winter coat. Like, he is not, he is a toxic, toxic character, yet I loved him with all of my heart and wanted only good things for him. And it's just, it's this weird, like, fantasy. Like, we don't want that in real life. But to be able to, yeah, like you said, to be the pick-me girl for for the bad boy, like, that is a very special thing. Like, he will not smile for anybody but me. Mm-hmm. Dried Squid Fairy is the one character who seems to have been self-aware this whole time. As Dano, Dohua, Haru, and Baekhyung all start becoming aware, they wind up in Dried Squid Fairy's kitchen, where he gives them some answers, but not all of the answers. He explains to them about stage and shadow. That stage is when the all-knowing, all-powerful writer has control, and you have to do what is written for you in stage. But in shadow, you can be your true self. Haru is determined to bring the shadow into stage in order to change Dano's fate. And it starts to work. But with every little change, there is also a consequence. Until finally, the writer seems to get fed up with Haru's shenanigans, and Haru just disappears in the middle of the drama. Then he returns as Beck Young's tennis partner with no memory of Dano. Later, we find out, like another little twist, is that if you die in shadow, you reappear in stage, but without memory of being self-aware. So the same kind of thing that happened to Haru, even though he didn't actually die at any point. So this is a little bit of a twist on the amnesia trope that is used more than once in the drama. Did you like it? Do you think it was done well? So I think we talked recently about how I didn't also know I like amnesia. (laughs) I like amnesia. So um, I think you want to talk about Haru a little bit. So I was just going to talk a little bit about when um, Dano loses her memory. Sure. I really liked it because at that point, you know, we just were talking about like poor little rich boy, uh, Beck Kyung. He's catching feels finally for like the person that he, I mean, like the whole engagement story is ridiculous. <laughs> like they keep talking about like, I'm in high school. Why am I engaged? Like, this is so stupid. Like, why yeah. is this happening? And Beck Young very much feels that, but he does start to like legitimately have feelings for Dano. And she loves Haru in the shadow and then Baekhyung on the stage, which I really enjoyed that too, because like when she has to love Baekhyung, it's like not her in control of herself. And then as soon as the shadow comes, she's like, ugh, and like goes over to like find yes. Haru. But it becomes really like difficult because Baekhyung starts to have feelings and is like there getting all of that like emotional love directed at him in the stage. And then in the shadow, it's like gone and not real. And so eventually they do kill her off in the shadow. And it's like that careful what you wish for where like he has her at all times in love with him. Because she comes back. She does come back on stage. She comes back on stage. So she's not dead. She's not dead. She just doesn't have her memories. And she just knows that she's what her character is, which is I'm a sick dying girl. And I love my fucking fiance to the moon and back. Except he knows that the real Dado is not feeling that. And that's, I thought that was a really compelling where like you get part of it, but like it's not, you know, it's not real. And I found that to be compelling and tragic. 
it was the same thing when Haru returned and, and Dano was distraught because he was there. Like she was, you know, she was so worried when he disappeared. He was there, but it wasn't him. It wasn't the mm. him that, that she knew. And so it, it is this, this idea of like knowing that when they're on stage, they're not their true selves and that they don't know who their true selves are. And I love that, that whole idea of it. But I, I loved, like you're talking about with Beck Young, that Beck Young, thought that he would be okay like he he when she dies in shadow she dies naturally but he thinks about he thinks about killing her because he knows that she'll come back in stage and he'll have everything he wants but he decide he decides no i'm not i'm not a murderer um because yeah this time but when he does get her and gets everything that he thinks that he wants he knows it's not real and so Mm. i I love that whole part of it is that once you're self-aware you know that People are not who they really are on stage, even if they don't know it. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is one where we kind of fill out on different sides, maybe a little bit. But Ido Huo is the main second male lead in the comic secret. He's the one self-aware character who feels the same way in stage as he does in Shadow. He loves Yojuda. So on stage, he's forced to play the sad violin whenever she bumps into him. And in the shadow, he's her guardian angel, always there for her when she needs a friend. So first, we have A3, which is already a nod to F4. And now we have the sad violinist pining for a girl he can't have, just like Jinu and Boys Over the Flowers. <laughs> so good call out. And I actually didn't put that together until right now. So well done, you. <laughs> but back to Yojuja. When she finally becomes self-aware and admits she has feelings for him, she decides to stay with the not self-aware Onamju because she knows that Dokwa will eventually be okay without her. But Namju has no one to love him but her. She, so, this is what she says. Like this is, yeah, what, this is what she says. Yes. So what do you think of her choice to stick by Namju and leave our sweet Dokwa to his sad violin? <laughs> See, I agree with what you were saying about her earlier, but I also think that aside from her wanting all the power and getting, you know, what's hers, what I do think you get when you are self-aware, and it happened to Beck Young too, like, you gain empathy, which you don't have on stage. On stage, it's all, like they talk about it, it's all ego, right? You just want, want, want for yourself. And in Shadow, you become a full person, and hopefully that includes empathy. And so I think that this is also her showing empathy for Onamju, because Onamju has parents who are shit. And, you know, now that he is not technically going to inherit his, you know, his, what he thought was his birthright, because his father, of course, had another son out of wedlock who's older than him and now will inherit everything. He's not like king of the school anymore. Everybody is like, oh, Namji is not all that anymore. And all he has is Yojida. And she feels for that. Yeah, she will gain from it as well. But she, I mean, she even says to, to Idohua, she's like, can I like date you on like Monday, Wednesday, Friday and him on Tuesday? Like, can I have you three days a week, him four days a week or whatever? So I thought that was kind of funny. It was funny. So yeah, I thought it gave her empathy. Yeah, I don't know. I just never. I don't know how I felt with it. I felt always like a little bit underwhelmed. I think I, I thought Namju was very cute and I liked his just kind of single-minded, like main lead energy. Yes. <laughs> but Dohua was awesome. Oh, I loved so, him. I loved him. I, I'm team Idohua, like a hundred percent. Yeah. 
And I think, but I'm just trying to think of like, despite liking him, do I like where the book went? I don't know. I felt like it would have been slightly more interesting if the second male lead had his day. For sure. So I don't know. I'm a little mixed on that one. Yeah. So we're going to kind of finish this out a little bit with some philosophy that I am going to admit that I kind of like heard it and then didn't think about it anymore. Um, until I was researching this. So Bitches Over Dramas has a great post about the Heidegger reference in the final episode. But I was so hung up in my feels waiting for Haru and Dano to somehow be united in the new story. Because what we what we haven't really talked about yet is that basically this talk about like saggy middle and regurgitation, this writer who we never actually meet, just keeps regurgitating these characters in new stories. And that's, that's kind of why the whole self awareness, I think keeps happening is because they're trying to do the story different. The, the characters are trying to do the story differently this time. And in the previous story, which took place in the past, and that was Trumpet Creeper, Beck Young's character does kill Dano's character. And in this one, he doesn't. But anyway, so the final episode is taking place now they're all in college. Dano is running, trying to make it on time to her class, as the teacher is talking about Heidegger, the 19th and 20th century German philosopher. The translation of the teacher's lecture on Vicky is this, as Dano's running into class. Heidegger claims that our existence is thrown into time. When something or someone exists, it means it's thrown into the world regardless of his or her will. A student asks if we are just thrown into the world by coincidence, to which the professor responds, Heidegger claims that depending on what relationship you make with the world, you can create your own meanings. We go on with our lives in this current world as we love, suffer, and die. We're living in a real world, according to Heidegger. He says that all of us are individuals that make up and exist in the world. So I'd like to also add this quote that I found from Heidegger. Every man is born as many men and dies as a single one. If I take death into my life, acknowledge it and face it squarely, I will free myself from the anxiety of death and the pettiness of life. And only then will I be free to become myself. Basically meaning like we are born as all of these different versions or possibilities of ourselves. And by the time we die, we are the person basically that we chose to be. So talk about getting like all like deep on this shit. What do you think of them going into philosophy on this? And is this, you know, was this drama a good representation of that philosophy? So two points. One is essentially when I hear this, I just think of agency. Yeah. (laughs) And it is a drama of And that's what makes it fun because when we talk about fiction so much, we're like, they have agency, they don't have agency, you know, as like critique of a character and agency being essentially like, do you have the power to make your choices and to inform your choices? Right. And so I would say that that holds true to me in Extraordinary You as you get these characters that become self-aware, they want to take agency to live their life on their own terms even if they're fictional characters. But then what becomes interesting is like, I don't know, do you ever think about like our nature and like, are we real? Yeah. (laughs) And sometimes I think about it from like, yes, I saw the matrix. I think about whether or not this is a simulation. I do. Yeah. So so there's simulation ideas. Yeah. Then there's also the idea like, so I am not religious at all. Um, But you know, when I think about sometimes of people talking about like, you know, we were, and like, don't at me, I'm not coming for religion today. But um, 
you know, like we're created and we're created to have like purpose and to be in like whatever. And again, like, then does that make God like the, like the ultimate storyteller that we're, you know, all acting out. Right. And so, yeah, I find it to be interesting to see. Yeah. Like the parallels to what we consider to be our real world. And is it really a real world? And do we ever really know? Right. Like how much agency do we actually have? And I, how are we supposed to know? Like, that's, that's, I guess that's what faith is, right? And I'm not a religious person either. So don't come at me. Um, I do, but I do think about the possibilities. Like, I love hearing people talk about simulation theory. I I think it's very interesting that this all could be some, you know, big experiment. And who's, you know, are you in my sim and my in your sim? Who the hell knows? But I will say as far as the drama, because talk about my emotional state and why the Heidegger thing didn't stick with me the first time. I think this was embodied, though, at the very end when Haru disappears. And maybe even before when, because there's a scene right before when right before Haru disappears, when Beck Young's brother asks Haru if he's scared of changing Dano's fate, because he knows that it might mean that he disappears. Like Haru knows that if he saves Dano from dying from her heart condition, that he most likely will disappear from the story. And he admits to being scared, but not of disappearing. He's afraid of a life without Dano. And if he disappears and she gets to live, then that's enough for him. And then when he does disappear, and I am legit sobbing, and I don't know where your soul is, and that you didn't, <laughs> like... It's, you know, it's that thing where all the, like, there's objects, like, lifting into the air because they're all going to leave the story, too, because the story is about to end. And so basically the writer's getting rid of anything that's not useful for the end of the story. And Haru tells Dano, Dano, don't cry. Today's been the happiest day for me since my beginning and ending was you. Call my name. And she shakes her head and he says, Dano, my name. And Dano sobbing says, Haru, and then, you know, the affectionate Haruya. And then she, as she continues to say his name, he disappears. And that's like, that is the embodiment of what the professor is saying about Heidegger. And like, he faced death squarely as the person he chose to be, which was Dano's day that her life changed. And because of that, he was happy and he lived how he wanted to live. And I was a husk of a human. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I love that this got philosophical at the end. And I love that it makes me want to just keep talking about it. Yeah. I think so too. And that's the thing is to me, it hit me in my head more than my heart. So I was really like mentally intrigued and engaged. I, there were times I wanted to be more emotionally vested and I was not. And I think because some of the saggy middle and the repetitiveness of things, it kind of kept me, me personally at more of an emotional distance to where like I was all in like, yes, 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 yes. At the beginning, by the end, I was like, this is very clever and I enjoy it. And I think it's really smart but I wasn't like deeply touched in my heart. We differ there. And that's okay. (laughs) All right. So to close this out, so I I have brought up, so like the writer keeps regurgitating these characters into new stories, right? We had Trumpet Creeper where Dano does die at Beck Young's hands um, and Haru thinks it's him. And then we have um, Secrets where they're all back and they're basically reliving the same story, but in a different, you know, a different time period. And then recycle again and now they're all in college and there's somebody missing from the college scene mm-hmm. Beck young does not i mean we've got namju who shows up as like the weirdo in the strawberry shirt mm-hmm. who everybody's like that kid's so weird and that's all that we really get from him like we know that he's there again and no Beck young what do you think about that 
I mean, so I was I was curious if they were looking to do sequel baiting. I don't think they are. <laughs> it's no, been a while. He's they're too old to play high schoolers yeah. now. Uh, I'm, but then we don't need them to play high schoolers because as we see, this is true. This is true. It could be an adult one. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's it. I liked it being a little bit open-ended. There's another plot hole that I will talk about at the end that like I am never over. And maybe it was explained and I'm just too dumb to get it because we haven't talked about it. Ooh, I want to know. This one got me a little less. I was curious. I mean, I kind of would have liked some reassurance he was doing okay because I feel like he did it rough. Yeah. I would have felt better knowing that he was like very happy doing something and not in pain because we had seen his character in Trumpet Creeper and his character in Secret were both very tortured. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I part of me felt like he was coming to terms with the fact because he just wanted to be loved, right? That's mm-hmm. what he wanted. He just wanted to be loved. And we find out that his brother, through Trumpet Creeper and Secret, like in Trumpet Creeper, his brother kind of just like held back. And for most of Secret, his brother held back because he was afraid of trying to change anything because of how badly it turned out last time. And really all he wanted was his brother to be happy. And when he saw Haru changing things, he was like, well, maybe I can Mm -hmm. change something for my brother too. And so basically like he lets Beck Young know that I, he's like, I will always be here for you. I know you've never seen me that way. Like you see me as the person like basically usurping your place in the family because Beck Young's mother dies when he's young and then his father remarries and has this other kid. And Beck Young feels like the interloper in his own family. Um, but we found out that the brother, all he wants is Beck Young's happiness. And that's all Beck Young really wanted was somebody to want his happiness, right? So I'm hoping that that wasn't intentional, maybe, like, leaving him out because... I would have liked to have seen them together, though. Yes, then for like, sure. For sure. Yeah. Okay, so what's your what's your plot hole? Well, I don't know if it's a plot hole. Okay, I never understood what the portal was. Like, the jewel toned oh not not when he's reaching in and it's and it's trumpet creeper no, but the it, other one like and there were times yeah. when it would just appear and i was like that felt like the author like presence sometimes yeah the author's always there really yeah i'm not sure because when when there's the portal when the portal's in the library and haru reaches into it that's him basically connecting back to trumpet creeper yeah so there's but something- when it's outside when it's outside and they just see it i don't know what it is either. so it feels like it was something with the author because that's how you would connect into different yeah areas of like the unconscious of the writer but i just never felt like it got explained and sometimes it would just be like hanging there i'm like what the fuck yeah. is it agree i i wonder if it's ma- like i do think it's some sort of connection to the author and i think it's I think it's when you are becoming self-aware too, you start seeing that. And I think it's also like an indication like that this is not a real place, mm-hmm. that the real place is out there through the portal and we are not part of that real place. But the portal, when he looks through it, is the other book. Right. So I don't know. And I felt like at some point that should, I mean, it was just there so much that I was like waiting the whole time being like, okay, I can't wait to hear what this is all about. And then it just ended. And I'm like, what was the thing? Like, what was it? Yeah. I don't know. And my my little hole that I that I still can't get over is I know that whenever you hear like the page turn, you know, it, it, you go from stage to stage, and the characters who are not self aware lose their me- like they don't know what happens yeah. between even when they when they are self aware they lose their memories yeah. right because they don't how do I get from stage to stage what happened in between I mean we see Dano in her home and we see her getting ready for bed but we don't know if she ever actually like sleeps you know because mm-hmm. it's all in shadow. 
But Haru, unless he's outside walking with Dano, like after school hours, mm-hmm. does he just exist in the library? I think so. I don't think he has a <laughs> home. <laughs> I mean, number 13 doesn't get to have a lot. No. Does he shower? Does he evacuate? <laughs> does he... <laughs> Does he eat when he's not on stage? I don't know. But I'll tell you what, I'm just wondering how many half-written, half-drawn characters do I have? And then I think about the ones that I've, like, all the books I've started and stopped. Oh, my gosh. I know. I feel terrible for those Are they just, like, get a full story somewhere? Like, wait, I, like, you're two pages in. <laughs> I have some things I want to do. The tire blew out of my car. I'm here, and there's a werewolf. I do have a werewolf book that like it's probably like four chapters in before I was like I don't know if I want to write a werewolf but um yeah like I mean like I left the like some dire situation they're all just there like heavy breathing with musk smell (laughs) (laughs) on that note we're gonna have to just bow out now because this thing's almost probably two hours long we don't know because we have I have Many things to stitch together. Yeah. And our, <laughs> we, yeah, the simulation is shutting down. Yeah, the simulation is not working well tonight. We've had some some glitches in the matrix, and uh, none of you will ever know. It'll all be stitched back together. But thank you for being a part of my story as I'm the main character. And thank you for being a part of my story as I am the main character. <laughs> and some of our listeners listening going, that's cute, because I'm the main character. Whose simulation are we in? I don't know. Whose story are we in? I mean, yeah, we could all just be... <laughs> It could just be like the dude at the grocery store. This could be Megan's story where she's like, oh, fuck, fuck that. Fuck that. I'm not being in that conversation. I'm going to write myself the, out of it. in the shadow of Megan. Yeah, this is happening in the shadow. Megan's on stage right now in a kayak with a gator. Oh, my God. Are we really in Megan's simulation? That is not where I want to be. We're going to be on <laughs> fairy ride after fairy ride. All of a sudden, you're going to look down at your hands and they're going to be like meat sticks. Meat sticks. And we, sh- yeah, looking at her. Sh- yeah. <laughs> No, we are not in Megan's simulation. Absolutely not. I'm going on a real cruise. We could be on Neil's. It could be Neil's simulation. <laughs> Her husband. I don't know. We'll have to become self-aware and find out. All right. Well, on that note. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> for listening. Annyeong. Kamsamnida. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to afternoonadelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T dot com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, annyeong!